Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, I'm going to start the chat. I haven't started it, so I'm going to launch the chat right now. I want to welcome everybody to March. It's our first show, the month of March, uh, 20, this year of our Lord, 2019. Um, I am uh, trying to get the chat launched. Bear with me, opening it up shortly. So while, that's, while we're waiting on that, there we go. Chat's open, ready to go. So welcome to QBO Show. It is a Thursday March 14th, 2019, first show of March. Uh, Woody's off tonight. We have uh, our other co-host, Richard Ropa. So he's going to uh, be answering some questions. So when I asked Richard to come on, um, we decided not to talk about QuickBooks. We decided to switch it up a little bit. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we do, uh, my name is Stacey Kildall, and I own own and operate Kildall Services, LLC. I'm in Michigan. I got two kids. I got three cats. And like I said, uh, while I was recording a webinar the other day, I have one husband is what I said. I like how I quantified. I like, I gave the number. I'm just one, just one husband. Um, Richard, uh, want to introduce yourself real quick? Hey, Richard Ropa, two cats, one husband. Um, and that's about it. How are you today, Stacey? I am uh, doing really well. We had a little bit of an adventure today. So Kira, you know, we bought her truck. We finally got her truck. Uh, We looked for months and months, and we finally got my oldest, my eldest, my firstborn. Uh, We got her truck because she's, um, I'm waiting anxiously for her to get her driver's license. So we got the truck. It's on the road. Full inspection because I have really amazing, we have a few auto repair, repair shops for our clients in. Um, I had uh, Mike Carney out at Carney's Auto, uh, Carney's Complete Auto Service out in uh, Pinckney, Michigan. Uh, he, full inspection, got everything road ready, and we've been driving it for a few weeks, and we were headed out to the expressway. We're headed out to the highway because Kira hasn't done any highway driving since um, driver's training, and she's got her test in a couple days. And as we were driving out uh, in 59, and you people who are not local, this means nothing to you, the road names. I feel like I'm and that Saturday Night Live show, The Californians, where I'm like, you take the 401 to the whatever. Um, but I was headed out on M59, and the engine light came on. And so I was like, ah, shit balls. Pull over, let me drive. And so uh, we were a lot closer to another one of our repair shops, um, which is Painless Auto Works over in Commerce Township. And so I called over there, and I said, hey, engine light's coming on. Can you just run and check a code? And so it's just a valve. It's one of those things where, like, you know, you can't, you can't inspect for that. You know, you got to wait for the valve to sort of fail. So it's some uh, valve, and they're fixing that right now. So it was kind of an adventure. So we were kind of stuck out there at the shop, and we had no way home. And so I tried to order an Uber, and Uber was like, yeah, we'll be there in 18 minutes. And then the next thing I know, it was like, no, we're trying to find you a driver. So because it's there's just, we live in the middle of nowhere. So I had to call my mom and I was like, mom, what are you doing? And she said, I'm actually sitting on my ass. Her exact words were, I'm sitting, um, I'm sitting on my ass on my couch were her exact words. So I had to have my mom come and rescue me. Um, and thank you. Uh, our, one of our listeners very diligently listening, let me know that it would be the 405, by the way, 
uh, not the 401 as a California freeway. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, I was, I'm was. i guessing. I think 401 is Ontario. I'm going to I think that's Toronto. I think 401 is Toronto. And because, you know, Canada, they're my little neighbors to the south, uh, that's probably where I got that. But anyway, let's get into um, the show. Uh, Richard, do you want to talk? You have some stuff to talk about with Neat. We have some stuff going on with Neat that's happening. Our sponsor is Neat.com. And I know you were talking earlier today about uh, they have kind of something special going on for March. They do. They they are um, so they have a new Facebook group called um, the Neat Freaks, and uh, you'll definitely want to join it to participate. But they're doing a March, and I, I'm probably the last person that should be talking about this because I know nothing about sports ball. Your your word, I loved it, <laughs> and I stole it. Um, but they're they're doing a new Facebook group which is not only a group for people that use NEAT and want to use NEAT, but they're promoting March Madness brackets. And I'm, I'm going to read this exactly as written because I, I don't understand what March Madness is. But you have to join. Uh, I know this. This is NCAA basketball. This is college, bas- college basketball. I know the sports ball reference. I know it. It's uh, awesome. college because- Basketball. At least one of us does, and that's the important mm-hmm, part. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you want to participate in the March Madness brackets, they've got some great prize packs. They've teamed up with a company named Amber, and if you join the Facebook group, there will be all the details in there. You'll be able to participate, and uh, hopefully somebody will win some great prize packs from Neat.com. So oh, check and it out. You know what? I'm going to have – uh, Richard, if you wouldn't mind, can you um, send me the link to the Facebook group, and I will uh, put it out there on the Twitters. Absolutely. I'm going to do that in two seconds. No, do it in one second, please. I'm just kidding. I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm doing it now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, if you follow us on uh, QBO Show Live, at, that's our Twitter handle. That's our our name on the Twitters. I'll post the link to uh, the Neat uh, Freak uh, Facebook group. Before the end of the show, I'm not probably going to do it right this second, but we'll get it out there, so don't fret. Not that I think you guys are going to fret, but, you know, it's there. Okay, so the thing that we wanted to talk about is um, we wanted to mention, uh, we wanted to talk about hiring. So I know Richard does a lot of coaching, um, Pro advisors. I think on your website you call yourself the advisor to the pro advisors, and I know that you have roundtable and you do coaching. You do one-on-one coaching with a lot of pro advisors, and I know that this time of year a lot of people are hiring. I'm um, not just temporary help, but they're kind of. I know that for us uh, at Kildall Services, this time of year is when we get all of our new monthly clients. We do a lot of onboarding. So this year we have done um, an average of. Uh, three new onboardings for like per month. So we've had uh, seven or eight so far since the beginning of the year. Um, we've averaged one quick review a week. Um, so we're really been really busy. Uh, and so the clients that we do quick review and we do cleanup, we end up transitioning the majority of them, about 70% of them, uh, 75% of them to monthly services. So this is a time of year where everybody's busy and everybody needs some help. Um, so they're looking to hire, and I know that a lot of times they – and you have – and the reason why I asked you to do this is because in a previous life, you were a recruiter, 
And so that's why we're asking you this, because it's not like just you actually have, you literally, in actuality, uh, did this for a living, correct? That is absolutely correct, yes. Okay, just wanted to specify and lay the groundwork and let people know you know your shit. Like, you know what you're talking about here, right? I do, I do. Thank you. Okay. So um, just to put it into perspective, I was a recruiter for more than a decade. And I probably have made over 3,000 hires in that decade. Nice. Okay. See, see, you do know what you're talking about. So that's why I asked you to talk about this because it's something that is coming up. Um, I Just so everybody knows, I've taken the month off of March from social, so I don't see that it's posted on there. But I know that, like, in January or February, I was seeing some, and you and I were talking, a lot of people were asking. So the question is um, resumes. So when they're looking, what do you look for in a resume? And your personal opinion, what do you think the most important thing uh, is to kind of screen or look for when you're looking through those resumes? Um, so first of all, I think, I, I think that everybody starts by looking at the hard skills. Do they have QBO? Do they have receipt bank? Do they have this other thing? And I, it's the wrong way to start where you really want to start is looking at the soft skills. So you want, to, you want to be looking at grammar. You want to be looking at layout. You want to be looking at the things that are going to matter to you later on down the road because soft skills are the things that you can't really teach, but the tech can always be learned. So you do want to make sure that they have a background that fits your needs, but you're really looking for those soft skills first. And that's a great, so it's- that's a great way to weed out the people that you don't want to talk to. So, and it's kind of that thing where ultimately everybody is told hire for culture, not for skills, right? You can teach somebody to do what you need, but you can't teach personality. Yeah? That is correct. Is it kind of, okay. All right. So then my other question about resumes, and um, I know I, we put together this list of questions, and I'm, I'm bumping this up um, in the list of questions because we just asked about resumes. So I'm moving this up in our list, and I apologize if I'm throwing you off, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, the other question is, what happens if the, somebody gets, like, 500 resumes? What if you do you post your job wherever you post it, and you get just – you're inundated? Um, so most of the pro advisors, they don't have some robot or uh, any AI to go through and search for keywords and pluck out the, you know, the candidates, you know, the 10 most, you know, whatever candidates, um, how do they manage what seems to be sort of unmanageable? How do they handle that giant mountain of resumes? Stacey, it's a great question. I had a client um, very recently, she ran an ad on Indeed for five days and she received over 600 resumes. It's, it's an unbelievable task to have to go through 600 resumes. But the best way to do it is really to start eliminating and don't look back. You know, the, the, the average resume gets about a six to 10 second view. And you kind of have to follow that process in, in uh, did they lay it out in an organized fashion to where you can find the information about them? Uh, is it readable? Is it legible? Et cetera. All of that put into two piles, the yeses and the no piles. And then you keep eliminating out of the yes pile till you get it down to a manageable number. And, and each time you bring in a new thing, do they have the skills that you want? Do they have the extra skills? So you, you kind of divide your 
job description. And we're going to talk about a job description because I think that's one of the more important things that we can talk about. Um, but you, you divide it out based on your job description and do they meet the, the basic needs? Again, using that soft skills portion as your first, as your first driving point, your first data point. Did they meet the soft skills needs that you have as a, as a employer? Then you go on to the hard skills. Did that make sense? I hope. What it about did. like having somebody? What about like having somebody do that for you? I oh mean, yeah. Do you have That's somebody actually, else like say, "Hey, I need you to the, go through and look at this." It's actually better. What do you to think have about somebody? That? Oh, okay. It, it, it's much better because it's it, you are completely emotionally invested, and as as a potential employer. And I, I'm going to bet that you've been down this road. You, you find two candidates. They're probably equally ranked in your mind. And you're like, oh, I don't want to give up one and not see the other one. So you're, you're very emotionally invested and the other people are not. So they can eliminate much more quickly than you can. They're not going to give it as it – sounds, it sounds a little harsh, but they're not going to give it as much of a detailed read as the business owner is going to. But on the first pass, you have to take that stack of 600 and take it down to about 60. And then you have to take that stack of 60 down. And that's when you start reading them and really looking for the details and getting it down to a manageable number somewhere around three to five people that you really want to interview. And that'll give you a good, uh, a good balance of, okay, that person represented themselves well on paper, but not so much in person. And you can eliminate them without that fear of having to go back to the uh, to the big pile. Right. Okay. So my next question is not, it's just kind of, I was just thinking about this. So if you're hiring somebody, I mean, on average, and I know this is hard, like I, I always feel put on the spot when somebody asks me how long it's going to take to get through the certification court, like exam. Cause some people it takes 45 minutes and some people it take, I've seen people take five hours. So what do you say the average time you should spend on reviewing the resumes. I mean, is there, yeah. I mean, how so long do you think it actual, usually takes to hide, to go through resumes and to do the first round of interviews? How much time do you think that usually takes? What sort of time investment is somebody looking at? So if we're talking from start to finish of the, of the process, it can take um, as, as little as a couple of weeks on up to about three months. You're not always going to get the, the right candidate yeah, just I mean, on like, the first run. Okay. So, but that's not working full time on that. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, how oh, much time? Gotcha. No, no. It, it should take you, um, the, the longest part of the process is going to be the initial weeding out of that massive pile. Um, but from then, once the interviews get started, the process, the process goes as fast as you can go. So if you, line up times that they can interview uh, for round one interviews. Which so you're not going to answer. You're not going to give me a time frame. <laughs> I'm not. Basically, I'm not. Okay, that's fine. You can say that. I don't know. I mean, that's totally fine. Like, you yeah. get the process. Everybody knows what the process is. I was just wondering, like, is the average, like, 20 hours? And you know that over the next few weeks, you've got to kind of set aside, you know, five hours a day or six hours a day or whatever it is or six hours a week to, yeah. to get that. That's kind of what I was wondering. But if you can't, it's no big deal. I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah. It's the, kind of a, the, it's, the, reason, the reason that you can't really answer that question is because it is different for every situation. 
Right, exactly. And that's totally, and that's what I tell people about the certification exam. Okay, so you mentioned job descriptions. Um, yeah. I, this seems like a simple question to me, but um, like a, a kind of a no-brainer, but people, sh- should they put the, do- I will say this, I know that you should put the job description, and I'll let you talk about that, but should they put the job title? What if you uh. don't really have a job title? Like, should they include a specific job title in it? So, uh, the and then what are that, your thoughts I, in general on on um, description, job description? So, first off, don't skimp on the time that it takes you to create a real job description. Don't just copy somebody else's. Figure out what that person is going to be doing day to day. And then, yes, I'm going to tell you that uh, job title is actually – Uh, one of the best things that you can do because that's how candidates are finding you. They're looking for titles that they are seeking to work in. So if you're looking for a bookkeeper, don't call it a number analysis or a number analyst. Call it a bookkeeper. Right. So that they can find you. I I want to say we want to talk about bookkeeper when you get done answering. I want to talk about that word. Okay. To, to answer that question so we can move to the bookkeeper discussion, knowing what they're going to be doing day to day is probably not only the most important exercise you can do for your own business, but it's also the most important thing you can do for the candidate because they're looking at you and they're screening you just as much as you're screening them. Right. And they, okay, they need so to know what they're to, going to be doing. Okay. So that's awesome. And I think I agree about the description. I think it's, I would never, if I were looking for a job, there's no way I would ever even bother like going any further if there was no job description listed. Yeah. So I think it's really important to put that description in. Like, what the hell do you want me to do? I'm not just going to apply for this random job if I don't know what I have to do. But I will say this. So there has been some talk lately on social media about uh, bookkeeper basically becoming like this shitty term. Um, and, you know, I've seen posts, uh, about, you know, how can we elevate the term bookkeeper? And, you know, just kind of talking about how the term bookkeeper is really like something that's not good to be. And so as a bookkeeper, I tend to take it a little bit personally, but I, it took me a long time to get to the fact that, heck yeah, I'm a bookkeeper. That's what I do. Um, because, you know, working with people who are CPAs and EAs and, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of get a little bit of a complex or you can. And I know when I first started, it took me a few years after I first started my business. It's okay to be a bookkeeper. Your clients understand what that word means. And like you said, the people who are looking for that job to do whatever that job description of bookkeeper is, and it can vary from firm to firm, um, that's what they're looking for, and everybody understands that word. And so I really wish that we would stop trying to call it something different. Make it seem like it's not, like, almost a job shame, like job title shaming, it, it seems like. And I wish we would stop doing that because it, it is what it is. You, na- it's not you bad. nailed it, it You Sorry, nailed I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to give you a great analogy here. It's, it's the same as – Doc, think doctor and nurse. We all know that the nurse does the heavy lifting. The nurse right, does the day-to-day the, that's taking. The exact, that is the exact analogy I use 
uh, for my funder article about what's the difference between like a, an accountant and a bookkeeper is the doctor nurse thing. So I think we need to just kind of step back from making bookkeeper seem like it's less than, and you can end, oh, finish the, that sentence. It's less than whatever, but okay. We only have, I don't want to go, we could go deep into that, but I don't want to. I just had to get that, that little rant off my chest because we only have 10 more minutes. Um, so the next question that I'm wondering is, um, should you put the salary in the job posting? This is a complicated answer, and I'm, you're going to call me out in all likelihood, but the answer is yes and also no, because it, it does depend. Hourly bookkeeping, absolutely put it in. But if it's a more complicated to explain comp plan, not so much. You know, you, you have an interesting comp model that um, uh, not everybody follows a model like that, and that's it's not necessarily the easiest to explain in a job description. So, um, yes, if it's easy, no, if it's not, but you can also give them an expected range of earnings. Which is yeah. All right. So, um, job descriptions, um, what do you think the biggest job description is that people make when they post those job postings? Great question again. So just pick one. I think the biggest one. You can't give me more than one. one. It just won't yeah. one. The biggest one is going to be if they're working remote. Every business owner likes to think that well, flexibility is part of working remote. But I need you between nine and two. That that's not flexibility. So making sure right. that the terms are defined appropriately for the description. Okay. It's huge. All right. Yeah, I would say that is absolutely, yeah, that is a big one. Any more? I know I told you to tell, give me one, but do you have anything, <laughs> do you, any other mistakes? Absolutely. Well, there, I'm just wondering because now I'm thinking, I, yeah. There's another one that I like to mention, and that's pay range. Making sure that the pay range is realistic for what they're looking to hire. Are they looking to hire the cheapest person possible? Or are they looking to hire the best person possible? So the pay should not be based on what you, the bookkeeper, who is now a business owner, started out as a bookkeeper making 20 years ago. It should be right. based on uh, what the industry standards are for virtual bookkeeping, the industry standards for your area, all kinds of things. But, yeah, pay range is one of the biggest mistakes that people make. They need to get it right or they're not going to have happy employees or long-term employees. I agree with that. What about like testing? What if they want to, you know, like if somebody tells me just because, you know, not all pro advisors are created equal. I will say that we have spent, and I will say not all CPAs and accountants, not, not every person in whatever uh, job is created equal. We do a lot of cleanup. Part of what we do is cleanup. We've done one quick review and one cleanup per week this entire year. We're averaging one a week. And they're big, giant, huge messes uh, this year for whatever reason. And so what if somebody comes to me and says, yeah, I have a lot of experience troubleshooting. I totally can do this safe. And although if they call, correct them and say, no, thank you. It's Stacy. Move along. Um, So what if I want to test them? Like, what if they are? What if they say, you know what, Ms. Kildall, I know how to do. And then I would also be like, no, please. I'm just kidding. Um, but what if I want to test it? What if I want to see um, what it is that they can do? What do you they suggest? Sh- what are your recommendations on that? My recommendation is a little bit more than patient of that skill. So 
you know, certification tests are one thing, but they don't predict behavior. So what does predict behavior is having them do some work. So give them a two to three hour thing in your office virtually, pay them for it and evaluate their work. It, you know, you, you can use a sample file, you can use a file that you've created just for this purpose. Um, and and it, it's just a fantastic way to really understand how they're going to react to unusual situations because you're setting up those one, unusual situations. Yeah, and one thing I want to say, a really good uh, way to do this is um, if you are certified, if you're processed to the advanced certification training content. And there are a bunch of different scenarios in there that you could use as kind of a jumping off point or as some sort of resource to create some, some issues or some scenarios. You could use those scenarios to test the knowledge um, by just using, you know, a test, uh, set up a, a test, a trial in QBO is what I'm trying to say. You can't use the test drive because any changes you make are going to, you know, they look like Cinderella's they pumpkin. Disappear. They go back to what they were um, and they disappear. But you can set up a trial, you know, import a rock castle, make some changes, um, you know, do some stuff and have them go in and, and fix the file. And you can even kind of set a time limit on it. And you can say, hey, you've got two hours to do this. Um, I'm going to log in and check tomorrow. And what's really great is you can even go into the audit log um, and look to see when they logged in and when they logged out to make sure that it was done in the time amount, you know, the time that they allotted, you allotted them to get it done. So I, I just think yeah. those are some good opportunities. We only have four more minutes, so I want to ask you one um, more question. Um, just anything else. I mean, really, there's not another question. I just want to say, is there anything else in the last couple minutes that we have? Yes, share. and I'm, I'm actually going to rapid fire go through those because I also have a question for you. So, Okay, um, so just so you know, if anybody's listening live, if we go past the 30-minute mark, you can go to Blog Talk Radio and you can listen or you can listen to the last couple minutes on, um, on whatever podcast uh, app you listen to. So if we do go over the four-minute mark, um, you know, you may get cut off if you're listening live, but you can also uh, check out the last couple minutes if that happens. Three things. One, education is great, but some of the best minds in the industry don't always have advanced degrees, so don't use that as your only measuring stick. Um, many people put it as the top measuring stick, and that's not the best way to go about it. The second one is have a training plan. Hiring somebody is great, but then having them shadow you is not a training plan, and neither is watching QBO videos for four days. You have to interact. You have to figure out how they work how they learn, and teach them the things that you need them, for them to know so that they are as invested in your business as you are. There's a few others. I'll write something about it later, but I want to ask you a question before we get cut off, and that, and that is what if a pro advisor is at the point where they can't take on any more work unless they hire and they don't want to hire? We talk about this all the time, but I want other people to hear about this. Uh, so my question have to take on all the work, or you can take on the new work that's interesting to you, and you can let go of some clients that are not ideal. Um, you are you determine your destiny, right? You are in control of that. Yep. So you get to define, and I, I we talk about this when we do um, like the grow your practice uh, in the form of the future training. The live stuff is. You know, before you can grow, you have to define what that growth means for for your business. 
Um, for a perfect example is us. We got 90 seconds. So a perfect example is Kill All Services. Um, you know, we have no interest in hiring, and we decided to make a change in what we're offering, the services that we're offering, and the audience to which we are marketing our offerings. And as a result of that, our gross revenue is up by almost 34% year over year. Our gross profit, our gross revenue is up 34%. Gross profit is up 51% year over year. And net income is up 71% year over year because of those changes that we made. So our income, we're growing our revenue, but we're not doing it by hiring. We're doing it by adjusting what it is that we're offering and to whom we are offering. Um, and that was really great. Thank you for helping. I know we're done and we're out of time. Um, Richard, if you want to take a minute, I know it's uh, not live, but the people who are listening after the fact um, will still be able to hear. I want you to talk about the sports ball that <laughs> our team is doing again. And I did post it up on Twitter. Awesome. Okay. So uh, neat.com has a new Facebook group. It's called the neat freak space. Uh, They are promoting March madness brackets, whatever those are. Um, And you have to NCAA basketball championship. That's that's right. So, um, but you have to join the group to participate in the brackets and they have teamed up with a company named Amber for some great prize packs for those who choose the winning bracket. So jump on in to the neat.